Okay, so in this, that conversation, we're going to talk about taking care of yourself. And whenever, and when I say take care of yourself, yourself is referring to those who are caring for someone who's suffering from cognitive impairment of any kind, whether it's dementia, Alzheimer's, um, in the various in-between stages. Um, Because who tends to get kind of lost behind or fall through the cracks is the person who's caring for someone going through this because it's a tremendous responsibility and it's a whole lot of um it's just a a whole lot you have to be um cognizant of when you're dealing with this disease and as the caregiver the the tendency is to put the needs of the one you're caring for before yourself and in some cases because you have so many instances when dealing with someone going through this disease it's kind of like it's automatic pilot right it's like you have no choice because almost every decision they make can be an emergency situation you know if you're dealing with someone who is um, able-bodied physically capable of turning on let's say a gas stove well I mean if you have to use the restroom right then and this person is about to do something that could possibly blow up your home, then you kind of have to make the decision on whether or not, hey, I just have to hold my urine and potentially get a UTI, um, pee in my clothes, and try to stop the fire, or I let them go ahead and start the fire. Um, Because that's basically what we're dealing with. You have a lot of situations when you're talking about people um, going through dementia where it's um, instant it's like you have to respond quickly to whatever their needs are and if you are a solitary caregiver meaning you know you may have family who may come in um, whenever they can to help fill in the gaps or you might have some sort of service such as um, and I'm sorry for the noise but uh, unfortunately whenever I'm doing these it's kind of like when I'm in route to doing other things but Um, You also have the situation where, you know, you may have caregivers who come in, but you might have limited, even more limited um, provision if you're Medicare versus Medicaid. And that is definitely something else I would like to touch on, um, because I think that at some point we're going to have to start looking at how we can make changes in our um, laws to accommodate people who are dealing with this disease that can make things easier for people who are caring for someone who's going through dementia and that would be a whole lot more affordable. Um, In fact, one such thing is why don't we have a policy that will provide for a one week um, at least once every three months um, in-home provider having it paid for for that whole week 24 hour care or at least a respite the covered expenses of respite care for a week uh, why isn't that um, a part of our medicare offerings uh, for care givers i mean these are things that will actually allow for people to care for their loved ones at home more often this should be a standard part of the protocol because The bottom line is the more people are able to stay at home, then the less expensive it is for us as a whole. 
because if they're able if just a, a week every two or three months was provided you could essentially increase the amount of time that a person dealing with this disease would be able to stay within their own home domain which is going to provide them with better care it's going to um, help to avoid the issue of the caregiver being 600 percent more likely to get the disease so we are actually now talking about being a part of preventing the um the extension of this disease into the next generation so i mean there are things we're going to have to start looking at from that perspective but at this point i want to talk about this in that conversation the need for caregivers to have that time um to themselves to have uh, to get away and not just physically get away but you need to mentally be able to unblock to be able to pour out what, what what you're going through to be able to process it all but also to just be able to retreat from it you know it's like being in battle 24 hours a day and not even a, um, a trained soldier can be in battle 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And that's essentially what you're going through if you're dealing with someone going through this disease. So um, I would like to appeal to the caretaker in this week's episode and to discuss the need for getting away, um, getting another perspective and what it means to get away because sometimes we think get away means okay well we just take a hotel room we'll get away from the situation but if you're still plugged in if you still can be reached by telephone someone can still come to your hotel room if you're within arm's reach you're not really getting away and more than likely your rest is not going to be complete you need to be able to be out of the reach out of the path of the storm and you can't do that if you can see the storm even in scripture with Sodom and Gomorrah we look at that and they were told do not look back because there's something that even just seeing devastation on that level does to the person does to you as a individual And so I want to encourage you to really consider to really consider um, doing what you can to make sure that Whether you are the caretaker or you are in a position to relieve the caretaker. Give them that one week. I mean, we can't wait until legislation catches up with the need to begin addressing the need. So if you can at least one week give to your parent or to your cousin or sister or or whoever your close loved one is, give them a week. Whether if and if you can't, if you cannot physically be the one to stay with that person for a week to relieve them, um, be willing to pay for them to go to respite care for a week until 
that person can just get away. Because listen, it's a lot of work dealing with someone who's going through um, these sorts of needs. And I'm going to tell you one good reason that at least one time, if you don't do it up at once, you do a week. If you are a, a relative of someone who's going through this, do a week. Because it will be an eye opener just in experiencing one week of what someone who you care about is having to go through and endure on an everyday basis. It will give you a newfound respect for what they're going through. You will have a greater value for what caretakers have to go through. You will have more compassion for even caretakers at nursing homes. Because imagine, we think when we see caretakers who are, who, who are neglectful in a lot of these facilities, we think, you know, how could they do such a thing? Imagine they should treat them like they would treat their loved one. But think about this. This isn't their loved one. Yet they're having to take a lot of stuff from someone who they, they didn't know, had no clue who they were, what type of person they were before this happened to them. That's a lot. I mean, many of us, if we've ever had to sit in on a loved one who was going through an episode dealing with sundowners or... You know, going through just the natural frustration of having to deal with this disease, we get a little bit antsy. You know, we go through moments of, oh my goodness, if you say this one more time, if you ask me that same question one more we get frustrated. We get overwhelmed. And we love them. You can't imagine what it's like for someone who didn't know who this person was before then. Who had no clue what type of personality they had or I mean so it's not as easy as one may think to care for someone in in going through this state of dementia and it's not easy for the person who's going through it but it's twice as hard for the caretaker because they never get an opportunity to absorb what's happening to them they're constantly having to function depleted of adrenaline because they're constantly having to be on edge in in caring for that person being concerned for that person um having to sleep with basically one eye open because you don't know when that person's gonna get up do something what they're going to do so you gain a newfound respect that you won't know unless you are the one having to care for them having to watch them go from one stage to the next, remembering the person that they were. So in this episode, my encouragement is to be a part of, um, be open as a caretaker to letting someone help them. I know that it can be frustrating because, you know, no one feels like no one's, your sister might not treat your dad the way you would, your um, children may not treat their dad the way you treat your husband. I mean, it's a number of scenarios we can go through concerning it. But the reality is that um, if you, you have to imagine what kind of position they're going to be in 
if you die. Many of us have a God complex. We're going to fix everything. If we don't do it, it won't be done right. Well, guess what? Accept that people are not going to do it the way you would do it. Accept that everything is not going to be done right according to what you think is right. Put them in the best situation possible. Remember that it's temporary. And consider that this is not for them. It's for you. And be determined that you're not going to allow whatever the current state of mind is to prevent you from moving forward with this. Because let me tell you something. I mean, I've been through it. Every week can be a, a state of emergency, depending on what stage a person's at. Every week. So if you allow, oh, well, they're in the hospital. I can't leave now. There may never come a time where there's not some state of emergency that they're going through. And you're going to find yourself perpetually in a position where you're struggling and you're, you're overwhelmed. So here is what you have to do. You have to be determined that I can't allow their status to dictate when I take a break. You have to be willing to take a break even if their status doesn't dictate that you should have one. So if their state of mind, their well-being, if they're in the hospital, I mean, I'm not saying if they, if they um, are in ICU, but if they fall in, had a, you know, situation, if, if they're stable enough that someone else you care about can look after you, get yourself a week. Get yourself a week to get away from, from the chaos. Because when you come back, you will be refreshed. You will be better able to help them. Because if you don't, you're going to find yourself overwhelmed. One of the reasons why I encourage people to go out of the country is because you remove yourself so far from the temptation of feeling like, oh boy, you know, if you're close enough that you can get there within driving distance, if, you know, ain't going to take you nothing but an hour or two by plane, you will be more apt to do it. You get out of the country, your phone not going to work, so you ain't going to get the phone calls. Whatever's happening, you can't be a part of it. You can't have the God complex. It's not possible. But if you are within arm's length, if you are in the country, you will try it. You will have access. Your phone will be available, which means you will be accessible. You need to be unaccessible because the, the heroine or hero in you would try to step in and fix it. So we have to get, number one, used to the fact that we can't fix everything. You have to accept that. We cannot have a God complex. A God complex will kill us. 
it will kill you. Because the, the reality is you're not God. Which means you have a threshold in which it's going to be too much for you. And you probably won't even know when you've reached it or exceeded it until it has occurred. So, like I said, number one, you have to conquer the God complex. Accept that you need help. Number two, accept that no one else is going to do it the way you do it and be okay with that. In other words, um, your son may not turn the bed down the way you want it done. They may not feed them at the time that you're used to feeding them. They may not give them the medication the way you do. You may make sure he takes the pills and swallow them. They may put it and blend it in a smoothie. The bottom line is one week is not, is not going to make or break the situation. Um, if, if instead of cooking, they eating out for one day every day for that week that they're gone, it's not going to make or break the situation. But you getting that week can make or break you. So my, um, my, my suggestion is to, to make sure that you get used to the fact that no one's going to do it like you. They're not going to, they're not going to care like you care. They're not going to put the same amount of love in it like you would put in it. I mean, it's not going to be the same. Accept it. Get over it. And move on. Because that's just the way it is. Um, third of all, make sure that wherever you go in your retreat is some place that's going to accomplish at least two things. Number one, it's going to be rest. Rest from what you've been doing. Matthew 28 tells us to take his yoke upon us for his yoke is easy and his burden is light and that he would give us rest for our very souls. Your soul needs to rest. You need to be able to rest. Any place you go, at least two days need to be dedicated to just everything that's going to help you to rest. If you're mentally still on edge because you're thinking about what's going on, you need to have a spa retreat, something that's going to be like a massage, a pedicure, things that's going to help you sleep. Music therapy, I don't care what it is, but it's things that's going to relax you to where you can sleep, you can rest, get rejuvenated. Spirit, soul, and body. It also needs to minister to your spirit. After you've had a couple days of rest, your whole perspective can change. You, you, you feel freer to have a clear head of, of, of your situation. You now need to be informed. You need to go somewhere where they're going to be able to inform you about this disease. Because unfortunately, most of us, when we come into caring for somebody, it's like an overnight situation. We didn't have the benefit of having years to prepare for it. And you basically need years to prepare for it before you take it on. But you don't have that. So you're overnight in a situation where a stroke has occurred or a seizure has occurred. And your whole life has changed. 
and you have to learn quickly what you got to do. Wherever you go needs to be a place where you're going to have a couple days of being informed of, of what it is you're dealing with. You don't need to continue to walk blindly in this because the more understanding you have of the disease, the more understanding you get of the disease, the more wisdom you'll get in how to, in techniques and things that you may need to do to, um, to make your situation easier. Um, so, you need to be informed because as you become informed, you can now start developing an action plan so that when you return, you return knowledgeable about ways that you can help make life more um, pleasant, um, make the experience for them more pleasant and for yourself. Um, techniques and, and resources that are available to you. That's another thing many people don't know. They don't know about resources. They don't know about adult daycares. They don't know about programs that could um, help provide assistance. Um, going somewhere that's going to put you um, in a position to where you can have access to those things. And then you need to have a plan of action. In other words, when you go back home, you need to have a plan of action. How can I take elements of what I learned on this retreat and make it a part of my daily life? There's 24 hours in a day. My loved one gets to have how much of that and how much is going to be for me. And you've got to, you've got to be able to um, covet that time. And how am I going to use that time now that I, I know I need it? I know I need to have an hour. I give them 23 if I have to, but one hour is mine. And how can I covet that time? What can I do to make sure that time doesn't get taken and swept in with the other 23? And how should I use that time? You need to go somewhere where they can train you and teach you those things. How can I effectively use that time to, um, to, to, to keep myself ready for that day? Like. Um, part of that time should be used in, in prayer, seeking the Lord, concerning that day, concerning what man or man I should be in that day and how to stay in that space no matter what I have to deal with. And then the other part of that time should be in planning your day. You know, I need to have some sort of plan for the day so that things don't just happen. So I need to have uh, some kind of plan that's going to involve how can I wear them out during the day so that at night they sleep. Because your one hour may be an evening hour. You know, if you have them on a schedule, then you get to rest when they rest. So what activities can we do during the day that's going to engage them, keep them active so that their bodies physically are ready to rest how can we both stay active because as you stay active it's going to help your mind as well so these are just a few tips a few things that I wanted to put on your heart and to think about and consider um, and hopefully I've answered the question why why you need to have a retreat what a retreat needs to be able to offer you and um, 
also put in your ear how we can legislate doing some things and that's going to be in a, another segment I'll discuss what are some some changes in our in, in policy what policies do we need to be going to our legislature with that would be dementia sensitive po policies that will assist people who are having to care for loved ones going through dementia or Alzheimer's so these are things that we will discuss in later segments but hopefully this one answered at least the question why why you need to have a caregiver retreat and what that retreat needs to offer you <laughs>